0: Hi, I'm Eric Bogner, and I'm Clayton Bowers, and we are seniors at Simpson College working with Iowa Watch on a project to learn more about cybersecurity in Iowa.
1: So we're doing a four-part podcast series where we talk to professionals and average people about what you can do to protect yourself from cybersecurity and how big of a threat it's becoming in modern
0: society. So on this episode, we went to Farm Bureau and talked to Kevin Anderson, who's the director of EIP, whatever that is.
1: And we think this is a really good interview to start out on because it goes into more depth about just what cyber hacking is in general and the large-scale impacts it can have on not just yourself and your own security, but the world and how it can be used for more than just gathering information.
0: Yeah, so without further ado, let's head on over to Farm Bureau.
1: So Kevin, why don't you tell us what you do on a daily basis?
2: So I'm actually the director of EIP. And so at my level, I really am um, interfacing with our business uh, units to make sure that we're meeting their requirements for cybersecurity and data protection. I also work very um, closely with our audit uh, arm of our our department as well due to the fact that um, because we are a publicly traded company, we fall under SOX MAR, which means that um, every year we have an annual audit that's done by an external auditor. Well, our internal audit services helps basically in a way to prepare for that audit, so I'm working very closely with them. One of the controls that we have in place is logical access. And so we work very diligently to make sure that the appropriate people have access and people who should no longer have access because they're either gone or transferred to a new job no longer have access to systems they're not supposed to have access to. I do a lot of it at a director level is really a decision maker because most of my teams have been delegated with the responsibility to do the day-to-day work. Usually they come to me only when there's a problem and they just need a, What should we do? What's the answer?
0: So how do you guys protect the identities of your clients?
2: Well, so, first of all, um, when we start talking about PII, or personally identifiable information, um, we have certain systems where that information is stored as systems of record. We control access by our employees, um, so that only individuals who need to have access have access. We also make sure you know a lot of our applications are homegrown or home developed. And so we make sure that our developers have access to test systems, but not to production systems. Um, We also work very closely with, you know, sometimes we're gaining information from external partners and also sometimes providing information to external partners. All that is is heavily contracted so that we make sure that we have safeguards in place with those vendors so that they protect the data as well. Um, but those are kinds of things we have to look at, as well as the safety precautions of other organizations. Um, and, and on the flip side, that's the same way with us. You know, the Wellmarks and others basically are looking to us to make sure that we have proper security controls in place to protect data that they potentially would be sharing with us.
1: So. Since you mentioned that you take people off of the system, have you ever encountered a scenario where an individual has tried to obtain information that they shouldn't have been getting access to?
2: Well, if you're talking about an internal threat, I mean, that's always a concern. I mean, One of the big concerns is that there's lots of websites out there that hackers are basically trying to get past those internal or those external controls. I mean, that's our, our first line of defense is our perimeter. If you can get inside of that perimeter by having an insider or an employee, that's a way to bypass a lot of the controls that are in place, but not all. Um, but they're willing to pay employees large sums of money to basically hack from the inside. So it's always a concern, it's always a threat. I will tell you that we have advanced capabilities in place to watch the traffic that's going on even internally. There are certain key credentials, domain admins, things of that nature that we control as well so that even if a person would get in they would limit the amount of access they have and plus we also watch for what's called exfiltration. That means people trying to take data from inside. You know if you're talking about our customers, you're talking about thousands and thousands of customer records that we have. Well to Try and make that usable by a hacker, they need to get that data from outside, inside of our company outside. That's called exfiltration. So we watch to make sure that we're not seeing um, signs that somebody is trying to mass upload files or do those kinds of things from behind our firewall as well. But those are, I mean, it's a legitimate concern that you have employees that, for whatever reason, um, have been financially incentivized to basically do bad things. And and we just have to take that in consideration. I mean, it's, it's no different than the controls that we try and have in place in case that hacker would happen to find a vulnerability in our systems and come from the outside inside.
1: So is buying people from the inside of companies the new trend on how to get information?
2: To be honest right now most of the hacking that's going on is really large scale programs and robots hitting. We have over 2.1 million intrusion attempts every month and those are people just basically doing IP scans or things like that just trying to see is there a vulnerability out there Um, and so our firewalls and intrusion protection systems catch those things and prevent those individuals from coming in. Um, what really and, and, and most companies now especially of our level But even smaller companies are having to add these kinds of precautions in there to protect themselves. I mean, the days of just being able to have a simple firewall that you get from Mediacom and thinking that's good enough for business is probably over because of the chance that, you know, that's it. You can think yourself that, well, we're small enough, no one would ever notice us. But what they're doing is they're scanning IP addresses. So if they find a vulnerability, they'll then make the determination whether it's worth their time to try and hack you based off of potentially what kind of money they can make off of hacking you in the first place. I'll be honest, the biggest thing that we have challenges with really is, is our employees. And it's not because they're not good and not because they're trying to do the right thing. The hackers have become extremely sophisticated in the malware and the phishing campaigns that they do. They they crawl social media, they look for information about your CFO or CEO on corporate websites, and then they try and target inf- emails to various members of um, your organization to try and either convince them to go on, click on a link. Um, Sometimes those links go to authentication pages that look exactly like Office 365 or, or, or Gmail or something like that, but it's not. Instead, they're just capturing your credentials. Or it can be situations where when you click on the link, you're getting a malware pull down or something like that that basically allows them as a point of entry into your domain. Um, the other thing that's a big thing right now, what the FBI will tell you, is that there's also extortion that happens around ransomware, where you get something loaded onto your PC and it pops up and says, hey, you need to call this help desk number. It's not our help desk. It's somebody else who basically then tries to get remote control to their PC, run um, CryptoLocker or one of the other kinds of... Uh, um, software that's out there that basically encrypts your, your software and then they basically say well you'll need to pay us a thousand dollars if you want to get that PC back. That's one of the things that they do. Another thing that's very common is the trying to get individuals whether it's HR, trying to get out information you know having something coming from your CEO saying hey I need all the social security numbers of all of the employees. or It'll be going to your finance department and say, hey, I'm in Africa, I need you to send me a check for $150,000 or whatever, while, tra- while transfer to this number. We've seen a lot of those kinds of attacks, luckily, um, we have trained uh, appropriate staff members to see those kinds of things, and so luckily to the state, we have not fall prey to any one of those. But this is, the FBI basically says, this is a multi-million dollar uh, challenge that we have, not our company, but nationwide with people unfortunately sending money off to these hackers who are basically playing like they're a member of, of that company.
0: When it comes to firewalls and stuff, do you guys create your own in-house or will you hire an outside source to make you a firewall?
2: So We have expertise to basically set up and architect the rules, Mm -hmm. but because these attacks are happening so frequently and at all times of the day and night, we have a managed solution where the firewalls are all basically in our building, Mm -hmm. protecting our computers, but all the logs are being shipped off to an external third party for them to basically run what's called a SOC or a Security Operations Center. They look at those alerts and they make the first initial determination whether or not something needs to be done. Sometimes it's simple as, hey we're seeing a lot of activity coming from this IP address, it's in Uzbekistan, we would suggest that you block that IP address or even potentially block that country code if you don't do any legitimate business with that country. And so those are the kinds of things that we sometimes get and that can be in the middle of the night. And so we do have staff that are on call here that would then change those rule sets to make that happen.
1: So how much would you say organizations spend on cybersecurity?
2: Well, that's one of the things, and I wish, what I'd recommend is one of the things you can do is you can go out and look at, there's lots of statistics that are out online about right now. Um, Gartner and others basically provide some of this as well that's around industry-wide. I know that there's been a, I think it's like a, a 30% increase in security spending in just the last two years, because of, it really is all from Target. So when Target got hacked, and um, you know, it wasn't even Target systems initially that was compromised, it was a, I think it was like an HVAC company that basically there was a partner of theirs had a account into some back-end server and the hackers basically hacked them first then used that account to get into Target and eventually worked their way over months to those point of sale devices which is where they captured the credit card information. Well, Target knew about that and bungled the response to their customers and out of that their CEO and CIO both got fired. Well, whenever you fire individuals at that level of an organization, every other company takes notice of that and goes, okay, let's make sure that's not us. And so there has been a large investment, and we're no different. We had systems that were eh, five to eight years old that really needed to be modernized, and we made some significant investments over the last couple years to do that, to modernize both our edge security and also our identity and access management system that, that does control the access to the various systems that we have.
1: Wow, so it's all due to Target then.
2: Well, I mean, that yeah. was probably, I hate to say it, that was probably the most visible one. There's been some huge breaches. Um, in the healthcare field, Anthem is a healthcare provider, sort of like Wellmark, but they're out in the Southwest. They lost 80 million records. So, I mean, there's been some high profile cases that have driven companies. And again, back to that whole Mar, you know, we have a commitment to our stockholders that you know we're going to ensure the value Of Farm Bureau as a brand and of our stock and there are a number of times when you'll see one of these hits happen and the stock basically tanks well your stockholders are then losing millions of dollars when that happens and then they start doing lawsuits against why did you not have the appropriate controls in place why did you not do these kinds of things and To a certain extent, legislation always kind of falls slowly behind, but it is starting to fall behind these things to force companies to do certain things. Now, we're ahead. We're doing those things already, um, but the the legislation that they're looking to pass in various places is just to kind of force everybody to do the right thing. To
0: your knowledge, has Farm Bureau ever had a security breach?
2: So it depends on what you classify security breach as. So we classify a security breach down to even something as simple as having one of our agent's offices broken in and a laptop taken. That's a security breach because they had potentially client member information on their laptop and so we have to make sure that we know whether that information was secure. Now, we do encrypt all of our PCs and laptops so that we can guarantee that if that situation happens that person can not get in and basically um, get that information. So we've had breaches, but they've all been small. Even one situation just a couple months ago, we had a hacking attempt where somebody basically got their conf- or their credentials harvested to Office 365. Mm-hmm. We knew that we could prove that somebody basically had accessed Office 365 to send emails out, sort of like spam to others, so they could propagate their malware. But we had no evidence that they pulled any data down. The challenge is, we couldn't prove that they didn't. So we then had to analyze that person's email to check. Now, luckily they were a claims representative. Most of the information they deal with is not PII, but we did find a couple situations where opposing attorneys had sent um, information to us from a claims perspective and included the social security number of their client in that email well then that's us having that information and we needed to fully disclose the fact that it, it potentially was lost. So we occasionally at times, you times, know, I think in the last year have maybe sent out 10 or 20 letters to individuals saying, I'm sorry we can't prove either way whether your information was compromised um, so out of abundance of, of wanting to be safe to safeguard your information, we basically offered them credit monitoring for I think it's a two years, it's either one or two years that we'll do credit monitoring after that's been determined. Luckily again, knock on wood, we have not had a major breach, which would be somebody getting in, being behind, being persistent as a uh, persistent threat and staying inside of our environment for a period of time, trying to move from server to server to gain uh, you know, domain admin credentials, elevate their privileges, and eventually start to try and steal our data and take it someplace. We have not had that, again, knock on wood.
1: So you say that there's all these people hacking, and you yeah. mentioned earlier, like, oh, yep. I'm in Africa, Send $150,000. Yep. So are the people coming to like try and hack, are they from America, or are they
2: from the world? So the so majority of the hacking that's going on, really, especially the sophisticated hacking, is coming from outside of the U.S. borders. Um, a major- So there really are, in a way two different kinds of hacking that's going on. There is nation-state sponsored, which would be either Russian or Chinese or North Korean or other countries like that, Iranian hackers, or even in a way, hackers that are associated to ISIS or other kinds of, in a way, political entities. Then there is the ones that is, surely this is just a crime play. I'm trying to gain information that I can turn into money. I want to get credit cards but even more than credit cards, I wanna get your health information. Because credit cards, as we're well aware of, I mean, those hacks have happened quite a bit where people have lost credit cards. You go in, you get a new credit card, you can refute the charges on there. And usually as a customer, you're kind of used to that now. What's worse is the health information. So if you get somebody's health information, you can start to file fraudulent claims to that health insurance carrier. And usually there's a period of time before, me as a customer realizes somebody's doing that on my account. So health insurance information is much more vital, or I should say, has a a greater um, shelf life and has greater earning potential for that hacker. And so that's why they're going towards health insurance companies right now.
1: So that's the big one right now.
2: It is, but I'll be honest, the biggest one that's crazy is it's the Chinese. Most of the big hacks have been China. Now our government has not basically wanted to basically accuse them of it yet um, because of the political fallout that would happen. Um, but uh, behind the scenes, quietly, they talk about the fact that the method that a lot of these um, hacks are happening uses certain things that have been traced back to um, elements of the, the Chinese hacking groups. Um, I think one of them's called Black Panda, there's something other. I mean, there's other names like that for these groups. You've probably heard of, you know, hacktivist groups as well, like Anonymous or things like that. Um, But yeah, China seems to be doing a lot of this, and they're very interested in healthcare. And again, the interesting thing is, remember I talked about Anthem? There was 90 million records or something like that that were lost. Not one of those records has actually gone out to the dark web and been tried to be monetized. So nobody's tried to take that 90 million and make money off of it that's a pretty good sign that instead that's being used as big data to analyze healthcare trends, things of that nature. And China has a serious problem um, that we don't usually talk about. They sort of have the same problem that we have with the baby boomers. Because of their whole one-child, one, you know, basically one nation, one-child thing that they started in the back in the 70s, they have a very huge population of older people and a lot less workers that are gonna continue to basically pay for those people as they retire. So they're starting to get the same kinds of healthcare problems that we have with diabetes and, and um, you know weight issues, cardiac issues, cancers, all those kinds of things are happening in their world too, but they don't have the sophisticated health insurance and other kinds of things in place to be able to track what is this going to mean from a budget perspective? What is this going to mean financially for us? And so we think that potentially they're stealing a bunch of those records, so that they can start to do big data modeling to figure out, okay, if this is what this cost is for America and this is the trends there, this is what's gonna be the impact to China.
0: Since you said other countries are sanctioning hackers to hack the United States, do you think the United States also has hackers hacking into other countries' databases?
2: I would think that after some of the things that came out from the NSA, Mm-hmm. Um, with a Snowden thing that we would probably be ignorant if we didn't think that we were doing some of that. Um, one of the big things that's been talked about is um, how we basically um, derailed the Iranian nuclear program for four or five years. Um, that was a really interesting case. That was spyware at, at its best. The Iranian nuclear program was on its own network. You could not get to it from the outside world, but we had some person basically go in with a USB stick and basically um, got a piece of malware into their system that was actually, you you talked a little bit, sometimes you talk about the internet of things and all the devices that are starting to become on the internet. Well, what they did was they basically took over the malware or the the software inside of their centrifuges. So they had thousands and thousands of centrifuges spitting to basically make out of uranium the heavier elements that they needed to truly make a nuclear bomb. Well, we basically just put a tiny little code inside that that caused those centrifuges to spin not um, in in synchronous spinning, so they basically broke. So we broke all their centrifuges by basically one small little hack into their computer system. Amazing things like that can be done. But on the flip side, we've got lots of people, both Homeland Security, FBI, all sorts of agencies looking at critical systems we have. You know, think about what would happen if something would happen to the power grid in the East Coast or other things like that. I mean, all those things, everything's now being controlled by computers. So how do you make sure you harden those kinds of key critical infrastructures in our own country to make sure that we're also not gonna be preyed upon by somebody like that hacking us from the outside world? So.
1: Wow, hmm? didn't know hacking got that deep, I know. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, and I'm assuming we probably are doing some of those things. I I think one of the things that um, we happen to be very lucky and we have one of my members of staff is also a member of the the Air National Guard and he's in a special unit here in Des Moines. You know, in Des Moines we changed our Air National Guard. We used to have the F-16s and now we have um, some predators that are the uh, remote control um, uh, devices and stuff like that, or uh, drones, Um, but we also have a cyber defense unit here. And we have an employee who's actually a member of that cyber defense unit. And one of the things he's talked about is, is that the next branch of the military? Do we eventually create sort of like a cyber army that's basically people going in to basically help protect us from external hackers and potentially us trying to hack other nations and doing things like that to protect our interests? Imagine an army that's uh, a bunch of computer guys sitting around their computers. <laughs> well, you we don't necessarily have to run five laps or whatever, but you have to be able to type two hundred words per minute or something. But you know it would just be different. And you know, you'd have a different set of individuals who'd be attracted to being in a cyber army than the regular army.
1: You could have a cyber war that's fueled on mountain dew or something. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Kickstarts. You right. This war is mm.
1: sponsored by <laughs> <country.
2: laughs> exactly.
1: All right, well, I think that may have answered the big one of my question. Sure. And, uh, you got anything else? I think that's all of it. All right, okay. Do you have anything else you'd want to add that we may not have touched on? Uh,
2: no. Ex- you know, um, to be honest, a lot of the stuff you can probably go out and you can find. You go out on the internet, and there's all sorts of things. One of the, I'll put a plug in for this. Um, every year, Verizon puts out a report that is kind of their summary of what's going on in the space from hacking and things like that. It is an exceptional report on there's kind of the state of the industry from a cybersecurity perspective. So if you can figure out how to get your hands on that Verizon report every year, it really is a way to see the kinds of the trends on what's happening from a cybersecurity perspective.
1: So if you could give one piece of advice to the average person about how to stay safe online, what would it be?
2: There's a couple things. One is you absolutely have to make sure that your firewall that you have, that you get that's part of your modem, is up to date, that gets flashed because usually we get, you get a modem and it sits in your house for seven years because it's working and nobody ever does anything with it. Well, there are ways to make sure that you're getting that software upgraded. Work with your internet provider to make sure that your modem is staying current. Because otherwise, you're only as good as that device, the protection. Never basically have it no password. Always make sure that you have a Wi-Fi password on there. Um, and then the other thing is about password management. There's a lot of um, tools out there for you to be able to help manage your passwords. But having the same password for your banking account and your Apple ID and this or that is just basically setting yourself up. You know, Yahoo just announced not too long ago that they had some 90 million accounts also that basically got compromised. Well, if you're using the exact same password as that Yahoo, think about it this way. Um, the speed of computers has grown tremendously over the last five years. Well, those can be used for both good and evil. The amount of time it takes us basically to run through a computer simulation, to try every single derivation up to eight character password is maybe about a day, maybe half, less than that, on just a normal laptop. So if you don't have passwords that are longer than 12 characters, every single character you add on adds additional time to that whole equation. You really need to be using passphrase. You know, whether it's something as simple as, um, you know, I love the Atlanta Falcons and you replace all the vowels with numbers or whatever it happens to be, but having something that you can remember is probably more critical than you changing your password frequently but having it complex enough where nobody could guess it and you couldn't basically just dump a dictionary down and actually get that password, hack that password.
0: You know, I think one of the more surprising facts there is that 90 million people still use Yahoo.
2: <laughs>
0: well, I didn't say they still used Yahoo, they were just accounts
2: there, so yeah. So it's, you could have had an account from 10 years ago and it'd still be there. So.
1: All right, well, great. Well, thank yep. you so much for taking absolutely. the time to talk to us. Absolutely.
0: Well, you guys just got done listening to us talk to Kevin Anderson, who is really smart. He really knows this field pretty well. I think it was a pretty good first step for our podcast process. I
1: absolutely think so. I learned more about cybersecurity in this conversation than I think I may have over the entire span of my lifetime, just in terms of the general impact that computers have on modern-day civilization.
0: You're not wrong. In our next podcast, we'll be talking to Shane Cox. He's our average guy, and he actually has some really good tips on how to keep yourself safe from cyber threats. Thanks for listening. I'm Clayton Bowers. I'm Eric Bogner, and this is Iowa Watch.